Welcome to episode 32 of Spencer Talks About Stuff. Please subscribe and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. I know some of you who are listening have not left a review yet, so please go leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Let everyone know what you think about the podcast, and also check me out on Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. For today's amendments, I wanted to chat about the disputed territory on the east side of Pakistan that Angel and I were talking about on the last episode. I incorrectly named the countries involved in that dispute. The countries that are involved in the dispute are India, Pakistan, and China. This is the Sino-Indian border dispute. Without going into too much detail, essentially each country claims one piece of land and there is no international official recognition for who owns the land. Even Apple and Google Maps do not have a concrete borderline. If you zoom in to that border, it's like the Kashmir area between India, Pakistan, and China. Um, There is no border. It's like dotted lines. It's very interesting. So if you're interested in reading more about this, Google the Sino-Indian border dispute. This month, I am not enjoying alcoholic beverages with my guests. I am doing Sober September, and I am running at least one mile each day. I just wanted to let everyone know why I have not been drinking beer or whiskey lately on the podcast. For Spencer's favorites, I'd like to recommend a burger joint in North Boise. Hawkins Packout is an amazing place to eat burgers. It's located on Bogus Basin Road at the corner of Harrison Boulevard and Hill Road. They have awesome burgers and awesome breakfast burritos. Once again, that is Hawkins Packout. Please subscribe to Spencer Talks About Stuff and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If you have not done that yet, do it right now. Go down to my page, the bottom of my page on Apple Podcasts, scroll all the way to the bottom, and click the five stars. You can also write a review and let everyone know what you think about the podcast. Without further ado, here is episode 32 of Spencer Talks About Stuff. All right, welcome to episode 32 of Spencer Talks About Stuff. Let's go. Today on the podcast, I have David McKenzie. And dude, I don't even know how to introduce you. Okay, what do you do? (laughs) I get this all the time. No, no, no. I I would say entrepreneur, um, former football player, but Mm -hmm. I I don't know how, I don't know what your job title is. Yeah, so I would just say, you know, yeah, entrepreneur, media personality, speaker. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I used to play football at Boise State, and since then... Uh, my business, David McKenzie Enterprises, under that LLC, I speak, I host, and um, consult, coach, um, connect business to business. So I've used that through my brand through social media, and it's it's fun. Like I made the joke before, the Black Ryan Secret. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so if you people who are listening, if you went to a Boise State game mm-hmm. last year, one of the home games. You probably saw David on the field. Yes, sir. Singing along to uh, Sweet Caroline or something. I'm or- a huge fan of classic rock. So anybody who loves classic rock, the Eagles, the Beatles, all those guys, Boston, Journey. Nice. That's my flavor. Awesome. Uh-huh. Awesome. Yeah, dude. Um. So, so how did you get into doing the media stuff and the announcing stuff? Like, what was your path right when you got done? Sure. I mean, so I think while I was pl- uh, at Boise State, when I was playing Boise State, um, I was connected with the guys like Bob Beeler, um, Jay Tuss, and all those guys. And I think there's one thing always to know when you know your calling or where you know where, you know, God's taking you. That's kind of where I knew early. When I was a sophomore. I was like, I want to do radio. I want to do hosting. So started interning with those guys while I was playing. And after I got done playing, I was like, I know I want to be some, a figure in media while also 
doing entrepreneurship and business using that brand that I've built. So I just did some KTIK radio, did some ESPN Boise. And then I got to a point in my career where I was like, I don't want to get up and talk about sports every day. Yeah. I just want I don't, I don't want to talk about what Brett Rippin did. I don't know what Cedric Wilson did last night. Love those guys. But I think I can host broader events. How about corporate events? How about galas? How about pageants, right? So just start networking myself. And as I did, doors just start to open and then your network grows. That's awesome, dude. Yeah. That's cool that you kind of had it f- not figured out, but you kind of knew what direction you wanted to go into. Sure. While you were still playing. Totally, dude. And I think, you know, it's always good to have those people in your life at a young age when they kind of say, hey, you know what? You're, you're a good leader. You know, hey, you're a really good um, organizer. Or, hey, you know, you're, you, you're good in front of a crowd. You know, I had that as a kid being an only child. And I think just knowing that as a kid um, always, you know, it, it went a long way for me. So that's why I tell everybody, speak words of life over your environment over your friends because that word of life might open something in their mind like oh i am good with people maybe i should get in real estate yeah so that was that was huge for me of having that upbringing awesome so you what you're talking about those people that said that stuff to you Mm -hmm. that's when you were younger Younger. not necessarily in college absolutely yeah and i think you know my parents always were i'm a huge positive speaking type of person man you know and as you know this being a former athlete you know you're going to have adversity but you need the people around you who are speaking words of life who are speaking empowerment who are speaking hey look despite we had a setback we have a setup for something greater so having that at a young age with my parents just always talking that over my life um was huge yeah and so um I don't mean to ramble on but you know I I, I went through some adversity at Boise State yeah um just being a walk on and, um, you know, serving to lead, you know, all of my good friends were Sam McCaskill and Thomas Burbeck and, uh, great players, really great players. Um, and there were some times where, you know, Hey, they're out of town. I didn't make the trip, Yeah, but I still had to be happy to say, Hey, I'm here for you guys. I'm happy. Um, but I think through that time, that words of life that my parents spoke over me still said, Hey, despite that you're in the situation that you might not be playing, that you're feeling down, um, you are still somebody. Yeah. You you can still go do something. And I think when I came out of football, that's why I just had this extreme drive behind what I'm doing now of, hey, man, you can do this. Just, so, so did you play all five years? Or? I played. I got to Boy State in 13. Okay. And then I had a fifth year left to play because I redshirted. But after I graduated in May of 2017, I already knew I was mentally checked out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, I know what I want to do. I'm out. Yeah. And yeah. a lot of guys, a lot of guys do that. Um, and I think it's smart too. Cause like, what's the point of getting your body smashed up and, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. dedicating all that time to something else sure. while you're still going to school or while you're going to grad school or whatever, when you could be focused on an internship or totally. yeah, starting your career. And I had a good buddy who was on the podcast the other day. I don't think you ever knew him, but his name's David Cushing hmm. and he played D tackle okay. when I was there. And he got done early and he got hired onto a police department like while all of us were still playing. You're kidding. So he became a cop like while we were all still football players. Wow. It was crazy. And so he's been a cop for- <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, like nine years now. Dude, well, I think too, it's always good to, you know, when you are a player, especially at, at the Division One level, um, what I love about college football is that it's transparent. 
you know where you stand. Yeah. You know, there is no sugarcoating, dude. There is no, you know, well, this happened on this play. Well, on the film, it doesn't say that. Yeah. It said that you just were lazy and you walked, right? <laughs> so I think going through that four years with being around other great players like Spurbeck and all these, like Cedric Wilson, you know, you start to tell yourself, hey, I'm a good player. But maybe NFL is not for me. Yeah. yeah it, it makes it a transparent moment. And I think that helps a lot of guys, especially coming from the sports world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I was in a tough position because I, I started I started two games my sophomore year. And then I started like six or seven my junior year. Uh-huh. And then I started every game my senior year. And I was, you know, playing next to Charles Leno and Matt Paradis and Marcus yeah. Henry and Reese sure. Odiambo. Like that was, I was the fifth dude in that crew. And they're mm-hmm. all in the NFL right now. And uh, These guys are huge. Yeah, and they're <laughs> very good players. Mm-hmm. And I had that moment. It was actually before the Hawaii Bowl, my senior year, mm-hmm. that I I went into Coach Strasser's office and I said, "Hey, dude, like, should I start calling, making calls, and figuring mm-hmm. out what to do?" And and he was like, "No, I don't think you're gonna play." And I was like, "All right, I'm cool that you were very transparent with right. me because I I started to take school very serious, mm-hmm. like sophomore, junior, senior year. You had like you were making great grades. Like you were like had a couple of. Didn't you get recognized for like? Yeah, I got an award that that was in grad school. Okay. I I was like the Boise State grad student of the year or something. Sure, and it was like there was another thing that I got, and I think Sam McCaskill might have got it too. Okay. It's like the like best academic and athletic sure whatever that well i don't mean to interrupt you but i will be honest with you right now i've never told you this but being a freshman when you were a senior at boise state yeah you um you you you, you kind of scared me a little bit i'm not <laughs> i'm not gonna lie because you were i was a, i was a jerk you i know were, I was a jerk. you were a jerk you know spence was a, was a jerk for sure and i remember just being like man this guy with the beard and you know, I remember seeing you, you were a smart guy. I was like, man, this guy probably does not take any crap. You know, he, he he's very, very sharp. So I was like, yeah, I, I know Gurky, but uh, let me turn my, you know. So. I, uh, I've made I've made amends with a lot of dudes recently. Like, uh, it's funny, Chris Santini and I were chatting on Instagram. Santini, wow. Yeah. Okay. So he he's a great skateboarder. I don't know if you know that or not. Really? He shreds it's insane how good he is <laughs> and i i got into skateboarding a little bit during the quarantine because mm-hmm. i'm like i want to pick up a new hobby and something that's like insanely challenging which sure. skateboarding is mm-hmm. and i started seeing him post these videos so i i hit him up about some stuff and uh and i i just was like dude i know i was a dick to you in, in college <laughs> and so we started chatting about that but it, i don't know i feel like you get in that weird paranoid mindset and you think you have to be the you know greatest football player totally but along with that i took that to grad school too like yeah i took it very serious and um well i mean dude i mean it's it's a mentality i think you know that's one thing you know playing under coach peterson and coach harson different cultures different mentalities but i learned a lot from both from coach pete i learned culture relationships treat the person right respect from coach harson i learned okay if you don't like your situation change it yeah don't whine don't sulk change it if you're a walk on you want to play get better do better lift more and i think you know that mentality you have, that short memory of, man, I had a terrible day today. My girlfriend broke up with me. I had a bad grade on my test. Now I have to do practice. Well, now you have three problems. If you have a bad practice, you're not going to play. That's four problems. Then you might lose your scholarship. That's five problems. Why don't you condense it while it's at three? Have a good, you know, and Coach Pete used to always say, control what you can control. Yeah. And I think all of us being in that system and in that culture, Boise State, very innate group. 
blue collar group, blue collar teaching, you learn, hey, I got to keep my mind straight. I got to keep my mindset on. And no matter what my, no, no matter what adversity is going around, uh, going around me, um, I'm still going to accomplish what I want to accomplish. Yeah. And you've done that. We've seen Sam do that. We've yeah. seen, I like to say myself, who's taken that mentality and has put that um, into their career. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's why I think I was like a little, I, and I hate saying it. I, I don't know if this is the right way to say it, but I was a little bit less focused on relationships outside of the locker room and outside of the team room and stuff i was more focused on like we like i want to be a good team i want to be a good football player and maybe i sacrificed some friendships because of that you Uh, know but i mean i took that to grad school too and it's like i gotta get i want a's in every class man like i don't want to slack off you know and but see is that i think this is a good conversation because to some people might say oh well this person's a jerk this person's you know he's he's a-hole but however it's like this guy is determined. He is very disciplined and he typically is aligned with what his purpose and passion is. Yeah. So it's kind of like this weird pro and con thing yeah. where it's like, well, I, I think I got, I think I got better at that stuff too, though, because you know, I had a lot of conversations with coach Pete and Saha and, yeah. and all those guys at PSU. And, uh, I got, I think I got better as I got older, not being a jerk mm. to the young guys, you know? Mm-hmm. So totally. So maybe I was nicer to you than some <laughs> of the other dudes. <laughs> I didn't know you were that much younger than me. For yeah. some reason, I thought you were older. No, no, I, you know, it's when you guys, that whole class, Aaron Burks, all those guys, you guys were seniors, and I was a redshirt. Yeah, dude, yeah. shout out to Burks, Texas Tech. I know. Is man. he coaching wide wideouts? I think director of recruiting or something. Oh, okay. Yeah, dude, that's. I'm happy for him, man. It's awesome, and it's awesome seeing all those guys up at uh, Montana State. Oh yeah, yeah, and you know, I, I'm, I'm extremely blessed that. Coming from Dallas to Boise, sight unseen. Oh, yeah. Burks is from Dallas, right? He is. Yeah. And, you know, the group of guys, this goes back to the culture. I know we're very, very biased to Boise State right now to the listeners, but the culture, it's not, it's less about the football. It's more about the guys, the group, the guy you get, the OKGs, of course, right? And I think I remember being a junior and me, Sam, Ben, all these guys, you know, all good players, but weren't even talking about football. We were talking about books, you know, and doing entrepreneurship classes and talking about new ideas. And I remember saying, this is a group of guys where if the NFL doesn't work out, they're going to be okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and I think that's a great person to pinpoint in your recruiting is to say, this is not only a guy who can play, but this is a guy who's going to impact people when he's done on the field. Well, s- something that I, I thought that was awesome and I actually, we even do this at my gym because uh-huh. I, I own a CrossFit gym in Boise. And if somebody isn't a fit for our gym, I'll tell them. Like, I'll, I'll straight up say, like, hey, you don't fit in. There is the old cricket coming out there. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, I, I will do it in a nice in a nice enough way. But, like, if somebody's not going to add anything and they're going to mm. be a nuisance or whatever, I mean, you have to weed them out. You like, do. I don't want somebody bringing down – if I have 110 members at my gym Come on. and there's 111th comes in and they bring the vibe down for everything and they make other people worse, I don't want that person in there. Sure. So No, you're absolutely right. I mean, and to be real, you can't have bad weeds and some good soil. Yeah, you know? yeah. And then that's what you're saying. It's like, hey, look, I don't mean to be mean or rude here, but we got something good here. You know, plants are growing yeah. in this soil. We don't want, need this negative attitude, this 
this mindset to bring it down. And I think, you know, I was speaking at an event uh, a couple weeks ago, but the main thing I was hitting on was surround yourself with eagles. Surround yourself with other people who think like you, or not think like you, but who are better than you in areas yeah. that you need to stretch your thinking to, right? And when you have that, typically everybody's going to be flying. When you have somebody who's just negative Nancy, and I, I, when people always say stuff around me like, well, of course, you know, that's never going to happen. I go, speak for yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Don't put me in that. Yeah. That's you, yeah. not me. Yeah. I, I always liked, um, I don't know who said this, but I think Coach Pete maybe told us this. Like, you're the sum of the six people you hang out with the most. Oh, man, that's good. Yeah. So wh- whoever you surround yourself with, you're going to take little bits from all those people. Sure. And if you surround yourself with losers, you're going to be a loser. Totally. You know? I mean, it, it, it's real. And I think when you align yourself with those type of friends, I'm talking about the good friends who empower you, all of a sudden you're operating in this energy to where when you align yourself with the right people and you align yourself in your purpose, dude, you can have an opportunity to come up where you host an event with Bob Costas, yeah. right? Or Mike Dicker, right? Because you're aligned and you're in your purpose and you're driven yeah. and you know that you're called to do it and the people around you know you can do it. Yeah. There's no hating. I've never hated on somebody. I yeah. hate haters. Yeah, that's, that's the thing that's crazy to me too is like people think that there's a finite amount of stuff sure and it's like no we can all succeed like yeah <laughs> you're not you're not gonna take anything from anyone else like if somebody else if somebody else from my class started a podcast in boise which I, there's one other dude who you probably know he i think he announced it on the podcast tyler shoemaker he has a podcast he's he's starting one very soon wow and i'm like dude Shoe. i will yeah i will come on the podcast all the time, like I'll promote the hell out of your podcast. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I don't care. I want him to succeed, man. Dude, I don't think he's gonna steal anything from me. See, and that's that's the type of people, and that that you, you, you're a good guy. You have the integrity of like I don't care. I'm I'm secure in myself. It's like whenever I see somebody crushing it in business, crushing it in their career or whatever they're doing, I'm never like, how come I don't have that? I'm more like, can I connect with you over coffee or yeah, can yeah, we yeah. do dinner? Like, what are you doing that? is working for you in architecture what are you doing that's working for you in real estate because i like that and i I think part of it too is you you have these um preconceived notions about what somebody is going to be like Mm. before you meet with them sure and that's uh, dude i love reaching out to people getting beers getting coffee Uh hanging out on the podcast all that stuff and it's like like i always think the person is going to be different than what they actually are you know and it's like I, I don't know, and it's that's a bias I think I have to get over. How did you think I was going to be today, dude? I know you already. <laughs> like, I, I was telling Debbie, I was like, I, I'm I'm ready for some DMAC to refresh, Come on, to baby. power Let's me go. up. Yeah, yeah. Let's go. No, but uh, you 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 make a good point, dude. Because sometimes, you, especially with social media, you have a chance to say, "Oh, I know her," you know, whatever, and then you you meet or talk with them, and you're like, "Whoa," you know. And I think social media really does do that of having people have a preconceived or perception about somebody yeah. before you even know them, before you even talk to them. And, yeah. Um, we all can say that we don't do that, but we're in the social media world, dude. Of yeah. course, we do. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. It's just funny. Like every time, I don't know. I hang out with Richie a fair amount. I love and, Richie. And I always, I'm always like, okay, I got to be on my A game hanging out with Richie. But then it's like our conversations always devolve into like conspiracy theories and stuff. (laughs) Like it's, it's like, okay, I could totally be myself around Richie. Like I don't need to put a front on, but for some reason it's like, 
yeah, that guy's really serious. You know, right? I don't know. It's it's just, <laughs> it's just weird that that happens. Conspiracy theories, like what, like which ones? I'm curious. Oh God, I don't even know. I don't even want to go. To okay, that got level. you. Um, but no, I, I see what you're saying, and you know, I think it's though in a way it's kind of healthy. It's kind of good to have somebody who you kind of feel that around if it's a friend because it makes you better. Yeah, you know, like being around. You know, Sam is a good friend of mine. He's doing great things at commercial estate. And uh, I have some other good mentors of mine who've sold startups and politicians. And, you know, it's not like you're comparing yourself, but you're surrounding yourself with eagles. Yeah. Which makes you say, well, I want to raise my game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to take my my uh, level and give to another level. And yeah. that that might not be. In my career, that might be my way of life, how I'm working out, how I'm eating, how I'm treating my relationship, my family. It's those foundational things like, man, this guy is a high quality guy, Richie, high character guy, family guy, Sam, same way. It's like, I want, I like that. Yeah. I want to continue to strive to be that. And it's okay to have that around you. Yeah. I think there's, there's something to be said about the other end of it too, Mm -hmm. is if you don't see someone for a super long time mm-hmm. and maybe you put them on a pedestal or you have this thought about who they are, what they're going to be like, and then you meet them and you're like, oh, they're just a dude. They're normal just a person. normal person. I think there's something good to be said about that too. Mm-hmm. Um, even like in my day job, you know, you see these VPs and the CEO sure. and all these people, but you know, they'll get up and they'll do their CEO thing, but then they step down and, and then you have a conversation and you're like, oh yeah, you have like kids and you're normal. And sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No. And I think that's a, actually a great point on the flip side of this point, because that's one thing through entrepreneurship that I've learned a lot and just growing my own business, growing my own brand is it's really taught me how to talk to that startup guy who sold his company for 300 million Yeah. or talk to this CEO or this guy or this politician. Um, or a former athlete, like it's normal conversation because, hey, I'm an I'm a business owner just like you are. I'm a person trying to, you know, move forward in this world just like you are. I'm a person of faith just like you are. We're not different. Yeah. I respect what you're doing, but that's where it stops. You know, I'm I'm surrounding myself with another eagle. Now we're talking like eagles yeah. together. And I think that's such a good point to say, you know, I see some people all the time. I'll be in meetings and stuff and they're like, oh, yeah, you know, that's. So and so, so and so Johnson, you know, he's the VP or something that sells. I'm like, so? Yeah. Who cares? Dude, whenever somebody does that, like in my line of work, I just straight up go talk to him. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm not going to make it weird, man. I'm not putting them on a pedestal or whatever. Totally. Yeah, dude. I'm going to go talk to him. Yeah. And I think, you know, one thing I always respect is I love seeing people like that who are leaders, presidents, CEOs, and they're open. Yeah. They're engaging. The people who are not open, they kind of have that stigma of like, well, I'm in this position and you're not. I feel like that's a dressed up insecurity. You know, I because it's like I've seen people, you know, be blunt. I've seen people who make, you know, 750000 a year, but walk around like you can't even talk to them. Yeah. I know, and I've seen the same person who has a net worth of $250 million a year and they're, they're an awesome person. They're a person of faith. They're giving. You don't even know it. Yeah. And it's like, well, what's that difference? Yeah. What's that dressed up thing there? You know, and. I always respect and always will treat people with respect no matter how high of a level you go and success you have. So it's always refreshing to have a guy who is high up or a mentor you look up to who's inviting and wants to have that conversation. Totally. With you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so I know you dropped this in there 
earlier. Mm-hmm. You hosted an event recently, with <laughs> Bob Costas and uh, and uh, Mike Ditka. Mike and Ditka. what was it a fundraiser? It was for a nonprofit event. Okay. It was a uh, MPH USA uh, raising money for for children in uh, within the Chicago area and all over the world. So these guys were just connected with this nonprofit. Bob Costas, Mike Ditka, the nineteen eighty five Bears. They've always donated to this nonprofit. So. Right now, I'm doing a lot of virtual events because right now you can't meet COVID-19. Yeah. So the virtual event business um, is really going well right now for nonprofits who want to highlight their platform and people can donate and tune in. So Bob Costas, you know, hosted the event, interviewed the Bears, and we hosted back in the studio out here. Yeah. And it was um, it was awesome, man. It was cool. It was, a, it was like a really great, blessed experience. Awesome. Yeah. Can't for, You know, a lot of my friends were like, who didn't play sports like Mike Dick, Mike who, the 85 Bears. I'm like, guys, what do you mean? This yeah, is the yeah, 85 yeah. Bears. Yeah. You know? Dub Bears. Dub Bears. <laughs> exactly. Um, so I I guess my question would be, I mean, I and and I kind of hate this question when people ask it of me. Sure. So I don't I won't be offended if if you don't want to answer it. Right. But like, do you have, you know, like what's your Super Bowl? Or like what is there an event that you'd want to host that would be like the ultimate cool thing? Sure. I think my goal truly is you know i've hosted a lot of great events i've spoken to a lot of different companies but i think what i really want to do the vision is to grow that brand to a level you know when I, I make a joke and say the black ryan secrets but it, it it's truth to that yeah because that guy has a net worth of over 300 million you know him from american idol you know him from e hollywood but he also has his own production company he also okay. has his own radio show he's invested into a lot of tv shows right yeah he's a businessman but he's used his platform to infiltrate and connect businesses across all industries. Yeah. And that's my ultimate vision to say, continue to do what I'm doing now, speaking for companies and all that stuff, but to take it to the highest level, yeah. whether that's guesting on NBC, speaking to Coca-Cola's, all that, and just using this entity to interact with these brands to do business. And it's a very powerful, powerful, powerful thing when you have the combination of the energy and the gift of gap, and also you can talk business. So yeah. that's the vision. Dude, that's awesome. That's so rad. Appreciate it, man. <laughs> that's so cool. I uh you you saying the the black seacrest. Uh-huh. I'm thinking Terry Cruz. <laughs> okay. Wait, isn't Terry Cruz on like Dancing with the Stars? America's or got talent. Or America's got talent. Yeah, 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 dude. Yeah. And I think And he's hilarious. He is if you've not if you have not seen the movie White Chicks, you gotta go see it. <laughs> um but he you know, all those guys have marketed them, th- th- themselves well. And I think you look at guys like Kevin Hart and all these guys, you know, they're great energies. They're great personalities, of course. Yeah. But get a, it gets behind closed doors. They know how to do business. They can negotiate deals. And I think a lot of people who can who can do both um, find success. I mean, LeBron James himself, he just got a $100 million investment um, with his other companies, like a production company, right? Okay. But he is using his LeBron James presence and he's taking his business skills and, you know, taking advantage of that. Yeah, yeah. So I think having, you know, myself being in the entrepreneur world out here in Boise and then also speaking and doing, doing all this, like the hosting and stuff, it's really helped me grow and shape the mold of where God's calling me um, to be. Do you, um, have you ever thought about acting? Or have you ever done any acting? I did acting a little. I, mean, I did Barney as a kid. I was in Barney <laughs> as a kid. Did some commercials and all that. Um, but I, I truly feel. And like I said, if acting comes up, I can do it. I've, I've yeah. done it, you know. But you know, and I can sing and stuff too. It's not something that you'd go out and like read for a role or something. No, no. Unless it's like, hey, I'm, I'm in my career, and they're like, hey, we have this thing with this 
one actor, we'll pay you this amount, come do a you know a guest spot. Oh yeah, sure, yeah. I would do that. But it's not the true vision. And I think in this season, I've been learning a lot of speaking, hosting, empowering, branding. Do you do you do like stand up comedy? Like it, like your hosting events? Do you work on like your timing and oh, stuff? Oh yeah, so yeah. hosting, yeah, you you gotta bring some jokes. Yeah. You got to bring some uh, some laughter to it. And yeah. uh, so I, I write some material t- time to time, you know, to get the crowd going. You yeah. know? And like I said, I love classic rock. I love music. Yeah. Right? I'm a huge music guy. So I always try to bring to my events that energy. Yeah. You know, if you like Bon Jovi, you're going to feel Bon Jovi. <laughs> if you like Def Leppard, you're going to feel it. Yeah. Right. And I, I want to bring that music and that, and that energy and that fun um, to my predicament and it's the same thing i do with the football games before that nobody was really getting the crowd involved so when they gave me the opportunity i was like dude we got thirty five thousand people here how about we drop some you know pour some sugar on me some sweet caroline and they're like you know they were on board with it and the crowd loved it and it was like that energy i love do did you know that they tried something with faraji before the dj yeah yeah, yeah. oh yeah Yeah. (laughs) i I love faraji man well I, i love faraji too but like I feel like Faraji lasted for like a couple games. Like it wasn't that long. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why. I, I don't know. I, I love, shout out to Rex Life. Like, well, he did the DJ thing. It was like before the game started. It was kind of, it was kind of dope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know what happened though. I don't know what happened either. It yeah. was like four games. Maybe, maybe Raj got too big for uh, Boise State. <laughs> <laughs> or Harson was like, what, what's going on? What's that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm, I'm going to crack these because I yeah, actually need ahead. something. Um, so do you want to, chat about are, are you just not drinking right now or well dude i mean i'm probably gonna have a couple couple glasses of wine tonight okay but uh i um i didn't want to be that guy of like yeah do you do you have any wine you know i didn't want to be like that so we have one bottle of wine in our cupboard right now well my <laughs> wife might have gotten more but we have a bottle from bosnia oh wow that we bought when we so we went to europe before we got married cheers um cheers man and we brought back like three bottles of wine, and one of them we haven't opened yet. And I don't, we're kind of saving it for a special occasion. So, oh wow! Yeah, we went to like wine country. You can pick the whole thing up and scoot okay, it towards cool. you if you want. How was that, dude? I'm I recommend travel to anyone who like hasn't done like. Have you been to Europe? I haven't, dude. I'm, you got you got to go. You been to Italy? No, we have not been to Italy. I've been to Croatia th- three times, twice. Um, Croatia is kind of like Italy light. Okay. And I've been to Slovenia, which is borders Italy. Okay. And Austria. So Dude, so you, you guys have been in like a couple of places. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and like is there any plans for y'all to like maybe take more trips out there maybe sometime? Yeah, we had a couple of trips planned. Um and then COVID hit and it canceled. We were supposed to be in uh, Buenos Aires for two oh, weeks. Oh my gosh. Yeah, and we were gonna go down to Patagonia and What like, about Mykonos? Uh that's in Greece, right? Yeah. Uh, I would love to go because I've heard nothing but great things about that place. I see pictures. I'm like, wow. There's like yachts and partying and yeah, it's nuts. The Greek islands are crazy. Oh my gosh, dude. Which Croatia, you get some of that, but it's not, I don't know. I, something about Croatia I dig because it's, it's a little bit cheaper and it's a little bit more. A mentor of mine loves said he loves Croatia. I was like, who "Hmm." who did Uh, a mentor of mine? He was like, yeah, Croatia, man, you got to go. It's this. I was like, wow. Okay. Go well, like we went, we took a ferry to an island, um, put our rental car on the ferry. Mm. Ferry was 30 bucks or something. We got an Airbnb on the island. We stayed there for a couple nights. Oh and we gosh. just like drove around the island and we'd find beaches that nobody was at. And yeah. we'd just have the whole beach to ourselves. 
and food was cheap. So are you guys like, cause I'll tell you the way, you know, me and my girlfriend are, but it's like, are you guys like, like to kind of stay to yourself or do you like to more like go out and engage with everybody? Like, um, we, so the way we like to travel, we'll meet some locals okay, and we'll chat it up with them. But like, if I'm going to Prague, like we're not going to go downtown and party. Totally. Like we like going and seeing the sights and stuff. Um, there's just like being in an unfamiliar place. Like I like to be home sure. before midnight, you know? I feel you. Yeah. So we're not going to be out partying and engaging with a ton of different people. Gotcha. But we like, you know, go to the bar and meet some people or right. go to CrossFit gyms yeah. in other countries. And you meet people there and they give you advice on what you should do in that city. Sure. Yeah. I've heard people always say if you want to learn the languages or you want to learn how to be fluent in another language, just, you know, be in a place overseas for a month. Yeah. yeah and yeah. you'll pick up on you know, kind of the ethics and things of that nature. But we've, I, we've talked about moving somewhere for six months, just going to somewhere like I would prefer Spanish speaking and cause I'm decent at Spanish. Um, but I think it would, you know, take it to the next level. I'm trying to, I'm trying to like picture you like ordering some food in Spanish, you know, with the oh, dude, <laughs> dos cervezas, por favor. <laughs> I can speak a little Spanish. I can get around. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I want to learn Italian too. Yeah. If you know Spanish, you can learn Italian pretty easy. Really? Yeah. They're, they call them the romance languages. Really? Yeah, yeah. It's, you say that and your girlfriend, knows, she doesn't even know what you're saying. She yeah, likes yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If you can order some wine in Italian, yeah. Yeah, she'll love you. I told Elliot, I said, you know, Elliot, oh wait, a former teammate of ours from uh, from London, Man, you know, he talks like this, you know, it's crazy, yeah. mate, you know, that's, that's the way I talk, you know. <laughs> I do impersonations, by the way. I always I always used to say that he's from Staines, <laughs> and he would get mad at me because I know he wasn't from there, but it's just like something I heard in a British movie. He was like, shut the hell up, bro, it's not even funny. <laughs> yeah, dude. I do a lot of impersonations, you know, so sometimes they come out. Yeah, so yeah, I've yeah. done impersonations of Barack Obama and Donald Trump and all yeah. those guys, and so Trump, so Elliot gives me a hard time. I love always, you know, going up to him, like, what's going on, mate? How yeah. was your day today? yeah. So that's what I do to, uh, so I was telling you about my buddy Carlo who played uh-huh. running back at BSU. Sure. He, he's from South Africa. Hmm. So he has a South African accent and I always, I feel uh, like I've seen him. You probably have. He comes to BSU events all the time. And okay. Yeah. He's a good dude, but I always say, hello, how you doing? And, <laughs> and he's always just like, shut up, dude. <laughs> dude, how are you feeling though with like no, no season? I mean, I think it's, do you want my opinion on it, or do I you, want your opinion? I think it's absolutely ridiculous that I did too. Uh, ACC's plan, SEC, uh, SEC, yeah, Big Twelve. That's ridiculous, and Mountain West couldn't figure it out. So the, here's what I'm thinking: is NCAA should have figured it out for everyone, mm-hmm. or they shouldn't exist. Sure. <laughs> like, what's the point of them being the sanctioning body? And telling some people, hey, it's up to you if you guys want to play. Most definitely. It doesn't make any sense to me. And I think this is very eye-opening of college players getting paid. Dude, totally. On how a lot of people are just freaking out, you know, shitting the bed saying, oh my gosh, no football season? No boy, you know. And it's like, well, yeah. The college football means a lot to the NCAA when it comes to money, when it comes to funds. I mean, 2014 went to the Fiesta Bowl, played Arizona. Yeah. I think the school got $18.5 million. That's Coaches insane. got incentives. New buildings were being built on the school campuses. What do the players get? I yeah. mean, we got a cool gift suite. Yeah. But it's like some of these guys need to be getting paid. Yeah, you get a PS4 and some Tostitos chips. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's it. And an in and out gift card. It's yeah. like, bro, come on, man. I mean, 
these players' jerseys and stuff are being sold in the store and stuff, there has to be some type of business plan with that. And I, and when they say, well, what about all the other sports? No, you give more money to the players or the sport that's generating the most income. Yeah. Period. Yeah. Yeah. I. It's hard for me, I don't know, to form an opinion on this because I see, I do see both sides of it. I like college football. Right. I like the competitiveness of college football. Uh-huh. Um, I think there's more passion in it. There's more school spirit, all that sure. stuff. But if you're a junior and you're really, really good, mm-hmm. I mean, or you're a sophomore and you're really, really good, mm-hmm. you don't have to play that next season for the school. You can take some time off, True. go train and get better, and then try to get drafted. Or I mean, it's just, true. I don't know. I don't know what the balance is because you're not fully developed as a player at a high school. Right. Whereas, you know. So from, you're saying something that can be maybe offered that's maybe tiered in a way, like a tiered type payment that can help the players out? I don't know. Yeah, it's I don't a know. tough topic. Because they need to go somewhere to, to develop a little bit more before they can play in the NFL. Agreed. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Maybe the answer is a two-year thing or, or something where they don't even have to go to school. I know. It's the football side of things definitely is weird because of basketball, it's one and done. Yeah. You go one year and you're out. Yep. yep. Um, because gone are the times, you know, back in the day where, like my dad said, Michael Jordan played three years in college. Yeah. Yeah. Magic Johnson played two years in college. Larry Bird played three years in college. So Dude, Duke's team is different every year. That's so, that's so bizarre <laughs> that's so to me. True, dude. It's so bizarre. Every single year, like who is that where it used to be? Oh Yeah. North Carolina's playing Georgetown in the championship. Patrick Ewing versus Michael Jordan. You know those players. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. sure your dad can talk for days oh, on yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but now it's like you don't even know who's playing. I don't even know who the player is. Who's number five? Oh, he's some new recruit from Riley, North Carolina. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Great. Well, are Boise State, some dudes stay a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I remember like JJ Reddick was there for three seasons. JJ Reddick. Wow, that's bringing back some. <laughs> But yeah, like now I couldn't name any college players. I know. You know, I remember like Adam Morrison was at Gonzaga. And Gonzaga, yeah, yeah. dude. Yeah. I always wanted to, that was my dream. Playing I wanted, hoops? I wanted to play hoops in college. And uh, I was a huge Tar Heel dude. Huge well, tar oh, you're from Dallas? From Dallas, okay. yeah. Okay. And now Dallas or Texas in general is a huge high school football state. I mean, Texas football. There's playoff games that had 42,000 people there. That's insane, yeah. A college, I mean, a high school quarterfinal game at SMU Stadium sold out 42,000 people. SMU don't even have that many people come. They had 10,000 people come to their games, right? But basketball, on the other hand, was kind of my, and they have some competitive people there in basketball, but the football kind of feeling kind of took over me. I was like, well, look, if football gives out 30 scholarships a year, there's more opportunities there Yeah. for basketball is two to three and you got to be a little bit taller. And yeah, so just the opportunities. Where, what school did you go to? So I went to Frisco Wakeland um, okay. and that was in North Texas. So Frisco, I was in the same district with Jay. Okay. Jay Ajay. Jay was a couple years older than me. And then I transferred to a school called Princeton high school. Oh dude, this hasn't come up on the podcast yet. Uh Oh, I want to talk about Jay. And I don't know if you're the right person to talk about Come this on, to. Bring it. Let's do it. Bro, what's up with the disappearing accent? Okay. Because this is a great when topic. I knew <laughs> when I knew Jay, he was not British. Dude, okay. So this is funny because <laughs> Do you know about I know exactly you know the about story? It. Okay. So yeah. I knew Jay since high school. You know, we would say he was up in even in, 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 in college. He would talk like this. Hey, what's going on? Dude, I saw an interview with him, and I'm like, 
You did not talk like that when you were at Boise State. I guess it's the sponsors or whatever, because I saw one interview when, when he was on the Dolphins, and they said, how you feel about that practice? He was like, you know, it was a great practice today. And yeah. had, I was like, whoa. I think he's hamming it up, man, to get... Uh, Endorsements. Yeah, hell I'll yeah. tell you a funny story. Is he sponsored by Puma or something? <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you a funny story. Uh, yeah, who cares? I'll tell it. Um, we were in... Uh, Jay came in town. We were hanging out. Uh-huh. And he was like, hey, man, you, you want to go to Barbacoa to get some food? Hang out. And uh, he's like, yeah. He's like, I'll call Barbara. So he called him, and he goes, he's like, yeah. Is the um, is the kitchen still open tonight? You know, it's nine thirty p.m. You know, what time are we going in? And she's like, yeah. So he's like, cool. He hung up. I was like, all right, we go in there. He's like, yeah. She said we'll be in there in about five. Go, whoa, 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 what was that? Yeah, what was yeah. that? <laughs> Seriously, what was that switch? Yeah, yeah. Dude. So he plays it up for, yeah. I mean, that's like you know. You you take off, you do something, all of a sudden I see you on TV, and then you're like, you know, when I was in Scotland, it's like, Spence, what, what the hell's going on, man? What is yeah. that? You know what I appreciate, though, is like there's some dudes, like I, I talk to Matt Paradis fairly often. How's he doing? He's doing good. good. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I know he had a tough time for a little bit because he broke his leg. Sure. Um, But I still get like Snapchats from him in meetings where he's like, this is so boring. And I'm like, all right, dude, never lose that because you're the same dude. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Is he is he still playing? Yeah. He's uh, with the Panthers. No way. Yeah. You're like what? Year six? Year seven? It's got to be year seven. That's weird with me with the NFL. It's like once you get past that fourth year. Yeah, fifth year. It's like like Dante Dion. Yeah. Did you see that? I mean, I haven't watched. I've seen clips on YouTube. Yeah. Um, but it's to me, it's amazing that he's getting you know a lot of limelight, dude. He, I mean, he's like, such a good and he's a good positive dude. And I always loved talking to him when I was at Boise State. And quite honestly, I never thought he was going to play in the NFL. That's what I'm saying. Did you see NFL? Did you see that in? No, him? no. Yeah. Well, I didn't see it because he was small. Right. That was the one thing. Totally. But, I mean, I guess that doesn't matter. It's, Matt Paradis is 6'2", and he's a starting <sighs> offensive lineman. I mean, every offensive lineman is like 6'5". Yeah. Six, dude, I know. That's so interesting because he Dante was always an explosive player, good player, but going in his fifth year, and it's like, it's something about perfect timing, man. Yeah. Right place, right time. Yeah. yeah. Staying healthy. Yeah. That's yeah. what I'm saying, and I'm... I've said this before, but I'm not I'm not taking anything away from Dice. Like I think Matt Paradis is an excellent football sure, player. Yeah. But the way shit worked out and in Denver for him, mm. like I think somebody in front of him got hurt. Something happened in the offseason. All of a sudden he was with the number ones going into the next season. Yeah, yeah. He starts every single game, whatever it was, fifteen hundred snaps. Oh yeah. To Peyton Manning and they win a Super Bowl. And it's like, dude, that timing is insane. That's that that timing. That that is that is insane timing yeah dude. he's i think every single one of his snaps went to peyton manning wow isn't that crazy one of the greatest players ever. who we when we were in like middle school we were watching that dude play that's my favorite player yeah yeah i love that though man because it's just like right place right time did what he's of course he had to do what he's supposed to do i'm always i'm just like in awe of moments like that yeah when i hear moments of like a divine moment for that player for matt paradis or yeah. like this artist, you know, Garth Brooks, you know, I don't know if you watch, if you guys have not watched the Garth Brooks documentary on Netflix, it's a great documentary, but he tells a story where he had no record labels looking at him and he went to go play at this bar one night and I guess all these record executives were looking at this, were waiting to see this one artist perform and the artist didn't show up. Oh. 
and Garth was a second act, so they said, can you do it? And he performed live, and they loved him live because yeah. he's energy, and they, they signed him. The rest is history. And I'm like, yeah. where was that guy that night? Yeah. What happened that night? Yeah. What did he do? It's those moments you can't explain. Yeah. You can't explain it. Yeah. I love, uh, so you're a music guy. Huge. Do you like Blink-182? Love Blink-182. Okay, so. Some 41, All-American Rejects. Yeah, so my wife and I are pretty obsessed with Blink. Okay. And one of our favorite songs is First Date. And that was almost like our first dance song. And we're like, we, we should probably pick something a little bit slower. Wow, okay. Um, but their first drummer, his name is Scott Rayner. Okay. And one of their first albums, Dude Ranch, they put out with Scott Rayner. So yeah. a lot of their famous songs was a different drummer when they recorded. Okay. And he had a bunch of alcohol problems. So when they were on Warp Tour, they found, um, oh my God, what's the the new drummer's name with the, all the tattoos? Oh, Travis Barker. Travis Barker. Yeah. So they found Travis Barker because he was drumming for like the Aquabats. Yeah. And he learned their their set list in like 30 minutes, Shit. went out and played with them. And then he's like, I'm going to start playing with these guys instead of that other band. And that's how. Wow. Rest like, is history. Yeah. That's how Blink is now. Rest is history. Now, do you think with moments like that with artists and musicians, everything, do you think that's that was meant to be? That was divine? Because I think I think I think it has to be. Yeah, I, I think you know what's sad to me is the amount of people that go to Los Angeles who want to be an actor, who want to be a musician, sure, and they have that drive, they have the grit, they probably have the talent, but that one moment just doesn't happen for them. Totally, that, dude. When I think about that, because like my wife and I, we went down there. We were there in March, and mm -hmm. we went to the comedy store and watched a bunch of comics perform. Yeah, and there's so many, so many people down there trying to make it, and only a few of them are going to. See, dude, and that's why this brings up a good conversation because people are like, "Oh, I want to act, I want to be a singer." It's like, well, that's great, but that's why you really have to trust and see and be clear on what your alignment and purpose is. Yeah, I typically have seen so far. That whatever person is, whatever person knows their their purpose and is truly aligned in their alignment, things happen for them. Yeah. Because they're in, I always say, get on the highway of grace, which means get on the highway of where you're called to be. Yeah. So typically those people who were in that lane or get those weird circumstances, they were in their right purpose. They were aligned in that right direction. Yeah. What you know, God called them to do. So you, you, you said divine and God a couple times. Yes, you're a man of faith. I am. Yeah. So, so do you go to a non-denominational church? I or? do. I go to Capital Church in uh, Meridian. Okay. And uh, huge faith-based church. Yeah. Is it just like a Christian? They call it just a Christian church. Yeah, it's a Capital Christian. Okay. And um, I'm just huge on the faith point of alignment, like what we're talking about. That's yeah. why I love these conversations. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and I, I I grew up Catholic. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And so I got, dude. I, I it was, <laughs> it was, I was an altar boy. It was first communion. Wow. Yeah, all that stuff. And wow, my mom made me go to church every Sunday, and I had to go to, um, I think they called it like CCW, and Sunday school was on Wednesday nights, and yeah, I got all that stuff growing up. Really? Oh yeah. Are and you then, still? Do you still go to church out, out here? No. Okay. no. <laughs> I got it. Wait, I got it way too much. Because I went to Catholic right. high school too. Okay. And we had to go to mass, I think it was once a month. Yeah. And then every football game, we went to mass before the games. Sure. Um, and then I had to take religion classes. 
Okay. And so, like, after that, I was, like, I'm kind of over it. So. Well, see, you know, I'll be real. I mean, I think that's what, honestly, scares a lot of people away from church is... Catholicism? (laughs) (laughs) Well, more effect of just how people would pressure and the perception of faith what faith is you know they see people yeah. on a college campus you know are you going to go to hell and i think it's more along if they need to be around people you know more like myself and others who are like who are talking faith and relationships and just yeah. having conversations like this see, and that that's the thing i think that's relatable yeah definitely and i i think seeing whatever terminology you want to use like seeing god in somebody else yes that's more relatable to me boom than what I was getting in the church in college right. or in, in high school. Um, and my, my wife and I have talked about it a little bit. Like I don't see an issue with us going back to church when we have kids mm-hmm. because they're going to not only be getting, you know, the good talks from us about integrity, accountability, sure. all that stuff. They'll be getting it from somebody else too, another authority figure. Absolutely. Um, dude. Yeah. But I don't know. It, it's, it's just a weird thing. Well, man. so many people have gotten drawn away to a good thing because their perception is, oh my gosh, I'm bad because I didn't pray four times. Today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, dude, you're saved, have faith. It's supposed to be a relationship. You're walking with people. You're supposed to treat people with love and it's, yeah. you know, interacting. Um, but there's been so many, you know, well, you can't come in here because last week you said four cuss words. And since you said that, <laughs> we are going to now have to disown you. And it's yeah. like, that's not the way it's supposed to be. So another reason that I struggle with it and I, I see, I see its place in society. I see why it's important. Mm-hmm. But another reason I struggle with it is I'm a huge history buff. Oh, uh, okay. And I see Roman, uh, the Roman empire, um, what Islam has done to certain parts of the world. Sure. Yeah. Um, Judaism. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just, it's, it's interesting to see, like I go down these rabbit holes and it's like, yeah, okay. There's fasting in the Jewish religion. There's fasting in Catholicism and there's fasting in Islam. And you can trace all that back at one point. They were the same thing and they all have these kind of similar things that they do. But they disagreed at some point, and so they split off, and they started doing their own things. That's the part of religion that interests me. Yeah. Not necessarily the the gathering and getting together, but I, I get what it is, and I respect it. Well, dude, this is a great conversation because I've always said I think, you know, a lot of people are in different tents, but we're all in the same camp. Yeah. And I think, I'm reading this book now. Um, it's called You Are a Badass. It talks about, this. this author talks about how connecting with this higher energy. Yeah. And in the book, I think it's good for anybody to read it who, oh, I think my, oh, there we go. I'm back on. Oh, you're back on. Um, it's good for anybody to read who might doubt religion and stuff because it talks about how there's no doubt there is a source of energy yeah. that is above our comprehension. Like, I'm, I'm with you a thousand percent. Like with this universe and everything. And it's like, there's no doubt that when coincidental great awesome things happen with this power yeah that's in you you're like okay whoa and i think that book just talks more on tapping into that and you start to think yeah that aspect of it i see is such a different thing than the ritual of breaking bread and blessing the bread sure like to me that's such a different thing than connecting with people and seeing the good in people Uh uh-huh and i 
I guess I just didn't like that those two things got so intertwined mm-hmm. in the Catholic Church when I was growing up. Sure. Yeah. Totally. So. And that's and that's okay. I mean, and that's okay because Catholicism regimented rules. Yeah. Be in your place. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, my I, my mom smacked me in the back of the church so many times. <laughs> No, dude, totally. I gotta give you that book though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like see, and I'm I'm all about that. Like, I love connecting with people. I love sitting down with people. I love you know being inspired by people, mm-hmm. and especially a dude like you. Like, I inject it into my veins. Right. Dude. Like, I need to be around people like that. Um, but at the same point, it's like, okay, you go and you look at Gaza, and it's like, okay, you guys are fighting over like a couple of words in a book. Sure. Like that part of it. I can't get over. And I think, I mean, you talk about history. You know, you look at the pyramids that were built. You look at the Roman Empire, you know, the aqueducts and all these yeah. things. And it's like, you look at, you know, Da Vinci and all these guys drawing paintings of objects that were in the 1400s, but they were drawing machine guns. And it's like, this energy that these guys were tapped into, this knowledge, I mean, how does a man who's made in the image of God, you know, a normal human build or do these miraculous things. How did these miraculous things in history happen? It's mind blowing. And to that's me. why to me, it's like faith or not there. You have to know that it's like, okay, there's something. Oh yeah. And I, I and I get it. <laughs> you know? Like I'm, I've read a couple good books recently. It's funny. I read a book called SPQR about the Roman empire. I bet that's so good, dude. It was amazing. It was a little heavy at some points. Like, Okay, I got to read one page at a time and sure. set it down. I kind of read like a textbook. Um, but they were talking about how, oh man, um, I can't think of who it is. I forget which emperor it was, but they commissioned marble from like Egypt mm-hmm. to come back to Rome. And they had, it wasn't like small stones, like pieces of marble. Sure, yeah. They had giant, like 40 foot columns in one piece yeah. that they shipped back from Egypt, like 300 BC. Wow. And, and, and doing that today. Yeah. And doing that today would be a huge task. It's like, how the hell did you guys do that back then? And I know what the wow. answer, I know what the answer is. They had a lot of people that were doing work for free that didn't have a choice. <laughs> <laughs> Cause if you don't, yeah, they're dead. Yeah. yeah. Dude, that's see, I actually, might want to read that book because it's it's awesome i love that stuff it gives you some insight into yeah like they invented democracy and like the food that they had and the 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 accounts of stuff it's crazy that they have all this stuff written down they have like grocery lists from people oh it's it's crazy how detailed and that's why the roman empire is like so studied because it was so it was just it was so methodical at all levels yeah but they have everything like written down that's why we I know so that. much about it. And dude, I you know, just to add to this conversation, I think I've had experiences with, you know, I, I read my word, I read scripture, and and I'm in faith a lot and meditation and before my day and feeling the energy yeah. of God. And I've had several experiences where flu-like symptoms might come on me and I tap into this energy. And within a day, I'm healed. Yeah. And I think, you know, I know the the Bible talks about healing and all that stuff, but it's like something happened internally. Yeah. Where I made a decision, I tapped into this higher being. Yeah. Boom, gone. Yeah. And I think, dude, I think it's all related, and it's all related, no matter what you want to call it, because sure. I see that same thing being, you know, you have 
you're on 19 decks that you're running at Boise State. You yeah. got to run that one more deck sure. and you tap into something. You don't think you can do it, but you tap into totally. something internally and you can do it. Yeah, dude. Um, yeah, and I, I, I think it's all related and it's all similar stuff. Some people just call it different things. Sure. Yeah. I agree. And I think going back to what we talked about earlier in the podcast, you know, I have to be around guys at that energy too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it keeps me at that wavelength. Like in this book, it says, you know, when you feel this energy of this calling of a better life or these individuals you want to, you know, connect with, she was just saying, that's telling you that that level of energy is calling you to yeah. that level, right? Yeah. And I was like, whoa, like that's that internal, you know, when if people are listening right now and you're like, you know, I've always wanted to be a writer. Always felt like I was a great screenplay writer. You know, always felt like I'm a really good artist. You know, pe- the people who truly tap into that, they tap into it. They write their goals down. They start speaking it. Before they know it, they're around. They're in a circle with producers. Before they know it, now they're at a producer event. Now they're producing a movie, and it's like, well, how did this happen? It's like you tapped into your calling. Yeah, you tapped into your alignment. Yeah, and things shift. So yeah, yeah. you got to s- surround yourself with the right people, and that's and that's something too that people don't. Uh, there's no there's no secret key to shit. You no, know, uh-uh. you can surround yourself with good people. If you're hanging out with somebody who's a bad influence, mm-hmm. stop hanging out with that person. Totally. Yeah. And I've, you or know, who brings you down, who doesn't have that energy, dude, it's crazy how you can start hanging around with people who kind of have a bad influence. And before you know it, you'll look up three days later and you'll be saying some of the same stuff they yeah, did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, oh, well, I'll never get that. Well, you know, did I just say that? Yeah. You know, it's like, okay, yeah, this, the, like you did that person at your gym. This guy got to go. Yeah. <laughs> Get him out of here. Yeah. It's crazy, man. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't see anything wrong with that. Some people might hear that and they're like, well, you need to be like all inclusive to everyone no matter what. And it's like, okay, if somebody's an asshole, I'm yeah. not going to be inclusive to a person that's an <laughs> asshole. <laughs> I don't want them around bringing everyone down. Dude, you know? Assholes, honestly, they never, coaches, bosses, whatever. Yeah, they might rise high or whatever, but they never last. Yeah. They never, never last. And, you know, that's one thing I just learned from Coach Pete. Just just a good guy. Yeah. Just a good man. And it goes a long way. People still talk about him. He was featured in Forbes just by his relationship. Another guy who's like that, Dabo Sweeney. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember watching Clemson football players after they won the national championship. These 19-year-old kids, they're happy. And the reporter asks them, what do you feel about this championship? You got your second one in two years. And... The first thing that comes out of their mouth is, well, love and peace comes from serving others in Jesus. I said, whoa. Yeah. Who, this culture <laughs> is different. Mm-hmm. And I was like, when I heard these players talking about, we just thank God for doing this and we're loving others and we're caring, we're working hard. I go, dude, this guy has it dialed and he's having it dialed with top-notch players. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty special, bro. Yeah. Some, something I always respected about Coach Pete too, and we, we chatted a little bit about it before, but knowing your role mm. and he knew his role and he tried to convey that to everyone else. He didn't think he was better than us yeah, because of his role. Yeah. He just knew what his role was. Hmm. And he said, you have to know your role on the team. If you're a scout team guy, you got to be the, the best Most scout definitely. team guy that you can be. If you're the starting quarterback, you have to be the best quarterback you can be. Um, and then he would always, he would always use the analogy of, 
the guy that's picking up trash in the parking lot, he's doing that to the best of his abilities. Right. You're not better than that guy. You just have a different role than that guy. Totally, dude. And I yeah. remember I, this is this is good because I remember watching this New England Patriots documentary and it was taking them through their film and their routines and their you know just their philosophies. And I remember they went down to the guy who was taping ankles and the girl who was you know putting the water in the water bottles and. They were both saying, yep, we're going to get these guys hydrated today. we got to make sure they're going to be right with the right equipment, and we're going to get Super Bowl number four. I go, man, the guys down to the person taping the ankles to the equipment people and the water people are talking about Super Bowls, are talking about this this year going 15-1 and and Bill Belichick. I'm like, no wonder these guys won every year. Yeah, hell yeah. Because it's not just Tom Brady and Belichick talking about this. It's the water people. Yeah. It's the guys sweeping this stuff at the stadium when the game's over going – See you next week. Got Green Bay. Oh, yeah. It's like, whoa. Yeah. That's a culture. It's funny that you say that because I, I saw something recently. Somebody posted, I think, on Facebook or Instagram. Um, it was a marketing gal from Kansas City. Hmm. And she got a ring when Kansas City won. Mm-hmm. And she was so proud of like the work she poured into the marketing for Kansas City. That is awesome. And she takes pride in winning the Super Bowl. And she goes, I earned this freaking ring. That is so because but you know what? Like Coach Pete said, she knew her role. Yeah. She started in it and she felt like she earned it. Yeah. You know, and I never, you know, being walking on a Boise State, I got a lot of time to observe, see characters, see people. And I used to see players. I used to see players who were having a bad day, but who were very talented players. Yeah. I used to see two reactions. I would see a coach go up to them and say, You will never play here. You're crappy. You're terrible. Get your ass off the field. And I saw that player just shut down. He goes down the field. He drops two passes. Now yeah. he's not playing anymore. Now he's in the dog hole. He has an okay career. But I've seen other coaches. Uh, coach Keesaw, for example, he's a receiver coach now at Boise State. He used to coach Alabama. Okay. People had a rough practice, and he would just say, hey, man, that was that was terrible, but I believe in you. You're here for a reason. Yeah. I know that you can do great things, but you got you to, you, you know, I'm always going to back you, but you got to pick it up. Now that puts the onus on the player of saying, I am somebody, I am going to change that. And that player comes out the next day, high-fiving, making one-hand catches, blocking downfield on kickoff team, hitting people. But it was a word. And I never did like some of the coaches who would just say certain things. I'm like, dude, why would you say that? Yeah, yeah. Come at him and say, hey. You are somebody. I mean, yeah. I think, you know, sometimes it can be used as motivation. Like, I know Harson might have told Shoemaker, you know, you'll never play here. Yeah. And, I mean, of course, that, you know, that ended up being a lie. Yeah. But most of the time, to keep your players in your culture, whatever, you got to instill belief in your guys. Yeah, yeah, you got to yeah. instill belief in the people around you. When you do, they will return a favor. Yeah. And that's what, that's what I dug about Pete, too, is I think everyone could agree that they bought into everything he was saying. Oh yeah. And he asked, he like straight up at, like he was so honest. That's what I, that's what I loved about him too, is he said, uh, you need to buy in. Like if yeah. you guys aren't bought in, we're not going to be successful. Like you just have to trust me. Yeah. I'm going to trust you. And I, I totally. And then the other thing that I really respected about him, and I know you were in this meeting cause this was before we went to Hawaii, my senior year, okay. 2013. Sure. Coach Harse came in. And he talked to the team without anybody else in there. Mm-hmm. And I stuck around. They like told the seniors to get out, but I was like, I'm going to sit here and I just want to see. I these. remember this. You do yeah, remember that? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So I sat in there and I think Dice still sat in there too. And we just kind of hunkered down and we like watched. And, uh, but before 
before Pete left the room, he said to everyone, like, I quite honestly think I've done all I can here. Hmm. And he was so open and honest about it. So he said, honest. I turned this program into something awesome and I love what it is now. And he said, I feel like I'm just saying the same thing over and over to you guys. So I need to go test myself somewhere else and see if I can do that again. And like, that makes sense. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, I like the way you just put that. I don't have any hard feelings about you leaving. <laughs> exactly. It's like, I get it, man. Like, yeah. go ahead. Like, it's honesty, it's being sincere, it's authenticity, and it's the trust of like, you know what? I'm gonna run I'm gonna run through the wall for this guy. Yeah. You know, and I think when you're dealing with college kids, eighteen to twenty two year old kids, young men, yeah, they're good athletes, man, but they're looking for somebody who's gonna instill belief in them. Yeah. Right? And when you instill belief in them, but also being sincere, being authentic. Bro, those guys will run through the wall for you. Yeah. They they will definitely run through the wall for you. And I think a lot of coaches, younger coaches today, are good play callers, know the scheme, awesome, but they're, you know, they're pricks. Let's yeah. be honest. Yeah. And they'll rise up the ladder fast, but they'll crash fast. Yeah. And you gotta have that 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 base that 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 um that Pete and Dabo have. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy, man. It's fun thinking back about that stuff. And you know what's cool too is I called Coach Pete the other day. Mm-hmm. And I left him a message. He called me back, and we talked for thirty minutes. You're kidding! And it was like, how was it? It was awesome. It was just cool to see what he's. What's doing. he doing now? So he's taking more of an admin role okay. with the football team at UW, and he wants to do all the the development of men mm-hmm. and turning them into good dudes, doing all that stuff without football. Gotcha. So he's going to be kind of like a mentor, and I think he's doing it for all sports. Oh, that's and I shouldn't. Awesome. I shouldn't just say men. It's for everyone. Sure, I, I believe. I don't think it's just football. You think so. you'll ever come back to uh, to Boise and, and I don't know coaching the latter years or something? That would be good. I don't know. I don't know. I think he's. I think he's, he's probably done? done coaching football. Done, he's done, gonna huh? he's gonna life coach some people and. Well, he definitely needs to probably get into speaking because I'm sure he can have some great points to some corporations and companies. I and, think he's gonna do that too. Yeah, yeah, dude. Yeah. Get him an agent and yeah. have him talk Hell to Pepsi yeah. or Dude, that's that's one of the biggest things I miss is having a team meeting every day and listening to Coach Pete. That's <laughs> like all right, I need to get fired up. I'm gonna go sit in the team room. Dude, I'm gonna tell you a funny story that I'll never forget. This was with Coach Harson. We had a jersey reveal um of what jersey we were gonna wear for Ole Miss. Uh huh. And nobody knew what jersey. It was a year after you guys left. Yeah. And Fiesta Bowl year, and we were like, what are we going to wear? And it was like music playing. We thought Dale was going to bring out a jersey. Coach Harson walks up the stairs, fully dressed, in pads. No way. In the jersey. <laughs> Dude, what the hell? With cleats. Yeah. And he's like, yeah. You guys ready? <laughs> People go nuts? No. No? Everybody was just like, what? No, oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was just like... He's not the type of dude that could rally people like that? <laughs> no. no? No? But it was like... I remember that. I remember looking at Terry Vallejo and Vallejo was like, what is he doing? <laughs> <laughs> so we had we had something similar. Funny moment, man. We, we got the, funny. We got the Nike contract. You know, the okay. we were a Nike premier school. Yeah. And I think that happened like my sophomore year, the year we played Georgia. Okay. And, or no, it was the year before when we played Virginia Tech. Mm-hmm. And we got those sweet, like, kind of gray jerseys. Yeah. And 
the person that revealed the jersey was Kellen. So Coach Pete made Kellen get all dressed up and come out and walk in front of the team. I like that. And, but like Kellen's not a rah-rah guy, you know, and he's up there and everyone's like, I, I don't know. I think people went nuts and everyone's like checking out the jersey and stuff. But it's like you needed to have you needed to have um, like Daryl Acre be the dude. Or, yeah, yeah. What's up, guys? We got this new jersey out here. You know, yeah. You yeah. need him. Yeah. Well, yeah. a funny story with with Kellen. My first year there, uh, we were all doing seven on seven. We were doing one on ones in the facility. I knew Kellen Moore. Of course, he's revered. You know, fifty and three star quarterback, legend in college yeah. football. Oh yeah. And uh, we were all doing one on ones, and you know, Kellen walks in. And it was a cool moment because every time I got up to the front of the line. He was my quarterback. Yeah. So it was pretty cool. That was like my second week there. Yeah. And uh, it was pretty cool having, you know, a guy like that come back to the program and then also to catch a couple passes from two and one-on-one. So yeah. that was cool. And I think, you know, to be real, growing up, I was a huge OU fan. Okay. Die hard. Like Bob Stoops, Sam Bradford, DeMarco Murray, like Bob, oh, Norman, Oklahoma, man. OU, Barry yeah. Switzer. I was. Yeah. Adrian I, Peterson. All those cats, yeah. right? So when I was saying we at the time, but when oh you lost to Boise State, I mean that oh six dude, yeah. I was I was in tears. I was devastated. <laughs> like I think I didn't even go to school for a week. Like it yeah. was it was awful. And then coming up here and meeting some players on that team, and then going to the Fiesta Bowl in two thousand fourteen, looking at that stadium, it was a surreal moment of like. I remember crying over this game. Yeah. And now you're on that team. Yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, it came full circle. I know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know, dude. Yeah, and I had I had a different experience because I grew up here in Boise. So you're, yeah, so. You're, and I idolized the guys before me and mm-hmm. like Tad Miller, Nick Schleckaway, Alex Guerrero, like all those dudes, sure. Jared Zabransky. And uh, like when Coach Pete offered me a scholarship, it was like – Amazing. Yeah, it was like a dream. Kill come me true. now. <laughs> it was like one of those moments, dude. It yeah, was like dude. everything kind of came together and it was nuts. How how did that feel though of just like, man, this is a this was a dream and now this dream has come true? I so there's one thing that I remember about that. Mm-hmm. And they offered me before my senior year, because mm-hmm. they they would do the high school football camp here. Okay. And so BK would go there and sure. we'd, we'd play. And then after the camp, um, I think like Brad Lorando called me and said, Coach Pete wants to meet um in his office and you can bring your dad. And so my dad and I went there and he just cut straight to the point. He says, we want to offer you a scholarship. And my dad and I were like, what the hell? And I just remember walking back to our car after that conversation, my dad and I were looking at each other. We're like, we put so much fucking work into this and it it finally paid off. Like it was, it was so cool. Go, Yeah. Yeah. It was rad. Would you guys, did you guys go grab a burger or something after that? I don't don't remember. I just remember that. You were, were and then it was cool though. Cause I was already committed like I committed on the spot. I was like, "Yeah, I'm yeah, going here." Like I'm in. Yeah, yeah. And I think I visited a couple other schools, like ISU and Nevada. And um, you're like, "No, sucky, sucky. I'm going to Boise State." Yeah, I'm here, yeah. yeah. But it was nice playing my senior year in high school, not having to worry about like getting recruited because I knew where I was going. Yeah, and I had a blast my senior year of high school. Did you guys have a good team senior? Not really, man. We lost in the first round of playoffs. Okay. Yeah, but. The year before, my junior year, we played in the state championship. Sophomore year, we won the state championship. Mm-hmm. So we had we had some good some good teams. Sure, yeah. So I mean, with me to Boise State, I had a uh, I already had verbally committed to Texas Tech. Oh no You're way! Right. Yeah. So I I I was talking with the receiver coach there. The receiver on the other side of me in high school committed to Texas Tech. My quarterback committed to Baylor. My corner defensive back committed to UTSA. We had a good team. Yeah. And uh, seven on seven, we were lethal. And I verbally committed, 
I was like, Texas Tech, Lubbock, I'm in. Did, did they offer you a scholarship? Yeah. Oh, and shit. so it was like, you know, um, open offense. I'm like, that's great. I'm a slot yeah. receiver. It's perfect. And then about a month or two later, um, Tommy Tuberville, or not yet, yeah, Tommy Tuberville got fired from Texas Tech. Okay. Cliff Kingsbury came in. So Cliff Kingsbury cleaned house. Yeah. No more, all the recruits that committed. Oh. He was like, this is my regime. This is my new thing and all that. So That's I think, crazy I think they can do that. I know. And I think he maybe kept one or two guys. I remember calling the coach. It was like a couple weeks before sign day. I was like, all right, cool, man. Like excited. Um, let's get the paperwork. What are we going to do for the setup for sign day? And he was yeah. like, yeah, dude. I mean, new staff, whatever. I was like, well, you got to be bleeping the kidding me. Yeah, that's insane. So, um, yeah, so sign day went past. I was like, my gosh, where am I, where am I going to go? And um, one thing led to another, but Joel Falani, Coach oh, Falani, used yeah. to play at Texas Tech. And somehow, one another, I guess my head coach. Dude, I forgot about Coach Falani. He's at Texas oh Tech now. Yeah. No way. And um, so, Joel Falani, I think he knew some guys at Texas Tech. And so, my head coach in high school played football at Oklahoma Sooners and New York Giants. So, he was highly connected. So, one thing led to another. So, this coach wants to come see. I came down to the facility. And it was Coach Prince, okay. who was offensive coordinator and receiver coach at the time. And he was like, hey, you know, you um, like your film. Uh, I heard about the thing with Texas Tech. Sorry that happened. Sign days passed. We don't have any more scholarships left, but we would like to have a spot for you on the team. Yeah. I said, yeah, man, sign me up. Boise yeah. State, hell, I'm in. Yeah. So that's kind of how my story went um, with Boise State. So when you got here, like, was it tough adjusting? Did you make friends quick? I and- made friends very quickly because uh, my I came, or, came during Summer Bridge. Okay. And... I met my first two roommates were Joe Matarano, who played on the Cubs, all that, and Alec Danins, okay. and, and then Jake Rowe, um, and then Thomas Burbeck. So that was our core group all through college. Yeah. So meeting those guys the first two weeks of summer, we just clicked instantly, brothers, and then, so I was, um, yeah, dude, I was stoked. I was yeah. hyped. You awesome. can't go wrong with Boy State. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And at that time, 2012, I mean, you guys were, top, I mean, top 10, top 8. And yeah, 12 was... 11, 12 times. So did you graduate in 12? I graduated in 13. Okay. But I remember, you know, being in Frisco and when Jay committed in 2011, Boise State was like number five. Yeah. And I was like, you know... Yeah, I think before we played Georgia, we were ranked three. Yeah, three. Yeah, which was crazy. And like Ryan Winterswike and Brandon Thompson were on the cover of... Uh, Man, yeah. yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you, that, that year, I think Cam Newton played Oregon... In the championship. I think so. That Nevada game. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I was OU fan at the time. So yeah. OU was in like number six. Boy State was number three. So I was rooting for Nevada. But that was that was a devastating game. Yeah. Yeah. Two field goals like that close. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, dude. It's crazy. And it's crazy to me. Like, I've talked about it a couple times on the podcast. And Bratzman's a really good friend of mine. And yeah. Dan Goodell and I talked daily yeah. because he he makes my t-shirts for my gym which he, need, he needs he needs to get on it because <laughs> we need to sell some more t-shirts <laughs> but dan's awesome he's such a he's one of those dudes like every time i get around him it feels like no time has passed like you just start bsing and having a good time but it's like those are two of the nicest dudes in the world nicest and they're guys. getting death threats from people and That's i hate like, that they were like 20 year old kids i know yeah you can't get mad at them i mean you can't i get it but like at the same point, we shouldn't have been in those situations in the first place. Sure, um, there was so much stuff, especially uh, against TCU, that led up to that. Yeah, you know, and 
there was a fumble before and a turnover and all this stuff. And it's like that catch by Tice was amazing. Though. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Uh, but, like but like you said, you can't, you can't blame because first of all, you know, they're kids. And number two, it's like, dude, I mean, it's football. Yeah. Things happen. Yeah. And it, it's just, like you said, it is pretty set up. People can be like death threats. You know, you can't even go to school. And yeah, go to classes it's insane. And, it's insane. So my my goal for the podcast too, at some point, I think I'm going to get um, Dan and Bratz on at the same time. Oh, and, that'd be good. Yeah, and we'll we'll chat about all that stuff. And um, I just I was living with Dan when we lost to TCU, mm-hmm. and after the game his mom came up to me and she goes, Hey, uh, can you just stay with Dan like the whole night? And I was like, yeah, it, totally. Yeah. Like I'm, I mean, I wasn't like, you know, I got over stuff pretty quick. Like sure. when we lost to UW, like I had a good time. It was fun. Yeah, like sure, I, yeah. it wasn't the end of the world that we lost, right. you know? Um, but I sat with Dan that whole night. I think we drank some beers and we hung out and like, he was cool. And I was like, turn your phone off. Don't yeah. even pay attention to anything. Yeah. And we'll hang out and chill. And, and it was good. Block it out. Um, yeah, we blocked it out. And I don't know. I think that's another thing. Like, you got to surround yourself around good dudes. You can't. And I, I, I do want to add to that playing at the Division One level, it was very interesting seeing the culture of a team and kind of the feeling of is this going to be a year that we oh. have a successful year or a bad year? And I think playing i think my third year is when i finally gave respect to tom brady yeah because i was a hater on tom brady i'm like oh this guy whatever but then when we won the fiesta bowl and the next year we had everybody back but we went nine and five yeah and it hit me of like it takes a lot to stay on top it takes a lot to keep winning and it really did show me because i i remember that fiesta bowl year we lost to air force and we lost to Ole miss first two games of the season. We were two and two. Yeah. Everybody in Boise State Bronco Nation read us off. It's yeah. like nine and five, another Hawaii Bowl year. Yeah. And then, so it was a hungry group. Yeah. It was Coach Harson's first year. It was a group trying to prove itself. And by week 10, everything came together and you could feel in that room. It was different. We are, we're, you know, we're a team of destiny trying to prove something. Yeah. So Fiesta Bowl, you had the feeling the whole, the whole locker room had of like, we're going to win because yeah. we've had a, we've had a journey. The next year, we have everybody back. Of course, Grant left, but we had everybody back, had a lot of talent. And the air in the workouts and the preseason and all that was kind of like, you could feel this is going to be a 15 and 0 year. Yeah. Boy State's back, won a Fiesta Bowl. Uh, we got all our players back. We just beat UW, Coach Pete's first year there. That was a big game, ranked game, won that. Yeah. We're one and zero now. We're running through this conference and we're gonna go back to a big big game, Cotton Bowl. Yeah. Nine and five. Lost to New Mexico on the blue, lost to Air Force on the blue. Yeah. It was a travesty year. Yeah. And it was like, whoa. And I think that showed a lot of people, dude, it takes a lot. People take the success for Boise State, you know, for granted. It's like, hey dude. Mount West is a good conference, some good teams. Yeah. You got to play every week, you know, and and compete because people are trying to come kick your ass. Yeah. Um, It's funny that you bring up Tom Brady because I listened to a podcast with Tom Brady yesterday. Well, you got to send me that. Yeah. I've never heard the keys inside Tom Brady. Dude, he, like, people hate on Tom Brady, and I've never hated on Tom Brady. I always thought he was just like a pretty boy, whatever. He wins football games, all that stuff. Right. Um. But I never got the hate because obviously he's doing something right. Sure. Like he wins games and um I don't know, there's like 
kind of this aura around him. Like, you know, he's doing all the right things. But I didn't get this insight until yesterday. Mm-hmm. He was on Dax Shepard's uh, Armchair Expert. Oh, have you wow. listened to that? I haven't, but I love Dax. Um, so Tom Brady, he's like such a down to earth guy. He's, um, I, he's very straight up with what drives him. Mm. And, you know, he never thought like nobody ever thought he was going to get recruited to play college football. Mm-hmm. Once he got to Michigan, nobody ever thought he was going to be a starter. Sure. And then he gets drafted like in the sixth round. Yeah. And no, it, like people aren't, don't think he's going to be a starter <laughs> in the NFL. Oh and he like straight up admits, he goes, dude, there's people out there that are way better athletes than me. Like they're incredible, but I do all the right things off the field. Um, wow. Re- recovery stuff, diet. Like he drills into all these little things that might help a little bit so he can have an edge on he all He talks the about it? Oh, he talks about it. Bro, everything. you got to text me that. It's awesome. It's so cool. Because I've always said Tom Brady aligns himself off the field just so t- to a T. He's 43 and he's still, the guy's won six Super Bowls, yeah. five Super Bowls. It's insane. And you wouldn't, like the way he talks about stuff. I mean, he's such a professional too. And that's, I don't get the hate for him. Like he doesn't do anything wrong. I know. And people are like, well, that's why I hate him. And it's like, well, you shouldn't hate people like that. But dude, and with with a guy like Brady, he has been to nine Super Bowls. One five or one yeah. six, and it's like with different cast, different receivers, yeah. different running backs. And it's like, dude, it takes it's hard to stay at that level in the NFL every single year. Of course, he's blessed having Bill Check in the same front office, but it's like seeing that, you know. But I think what keeps driving him is nobody believed him in Michigan, yeah, and having that chip of being drafted sixth round. And it still keeps him coming back. I mean, he he described a story on like an NFL Network thing of when he got passed up. It was the fifth round. Yeah. And he describes, ah, it's chills, but he describes a story of how he felt when him and his mom and dad, they, they, he, he didn't get picked again the fifth round. Yeah. And him and his mom and dad, they just took a walk around the block. And he was kind of thinking, is this football thing going to happen for me? Is yeah. it, is it, you know, I mean, like capture that moment. Tom yeah. Brady feeling that of like, what's this gonna what's this gonna be? Yeah, and then he gets picked up, you know, the second to last round, and of course the rest is history. But it's like that moment right there has defined his drive. Yeah, forever. It's it's you know it's the walk on moment with me. You know yeah. where it's like you don't make it, you don't make the trip, but your boys come back happy, but you gotta be happy with them. But you're still mad and you're crying and you're trying to say how can I achieve and how do I level up to that level of play? Yeah. He sticks with you for a long time. Yeah and, yeah, I, yeah, and I know that thing is with Tom Brady to the to his core. It still pushes well, he, him to play. At yeah, he still he still feels like he has something to prove, which is, I mean, that's why he's so good. Sure. If you took that away from him and and somebody convinced him, you got nothing to prove anymore. If he lost that, then he wouldn't be as good as he is. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, totally, dude. Yeah. So I don't know. It was cool. It was cool insight, and it was cool to see how down to earth he is and. I mean, he like cusses and stuff, and he's kind of straight up about like, he's like, yeah, I used to eat like Subway and like hot dogs all the time. What does he eat now? Is he like on like those guacamole? I looked up. I don't know if this is just something for him to sell, but he has a book. I think it's called like the T12 method. TB12, yeah. (laughs) Or TB12, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's all like local, organic. Um, I know he eats lean meats and fish. But there's a bunch of stuff he avoids because he thinks it causes inflammation. Yeah. Like he avoids eating like tomatoes. And I got six tomato plants out in the backyard. <laughs> you know, it's like, 
I don't know if I want to take it that extreme. I got the most locally grown tomatoes I can get. I'm going to eat those. But um, yeah, I, I, he doesn't touch alcohol. He doesn't touch sweets, anything like that. It's going to be a good year for him because he got a really good, talented cast around yeah, him. Yeah, dude, Fournette and uh, Gronk. You and doing fantasy? I, I am. This is actually my first year I've ever done it. Whoa. I've never, dude, I'm not, I'm not a football fan. Okay. I'm, I'm like... Really? I like individual players, and I can respect... Like, I can watch an offensive lineman, and yeah. I love, like, their technique, and I love watching guys pass off twists and, and games and stuff. Um, but I'm not a huge, like... Oh, I need to watch the Patriots play this week. Or really? I need to catch these games. I mean, I'll watch the championship games and then I'll watch the Super Bowl and I'll watch big matchups in college. Sure. But, you know, people always want my opinion on Boise State. And it's like, dude, I, I played football because I liked playing football. Sure. Like, if I still liked football, I'd probably still be around football. Right. You know? <laughs> when so. you're Alec, Alec, uh, Alec Danes is like that. Yeah. A friend of mine. He, he never was a, you know, a huge just football buff, you know, and yeah. you know, the stats and all that. And he was like, hey, I'm athletic, can play, and I appreciate the game. Yeah. But not like a craze fan. Yeah. Dude, I when I was there, I loved it. Like, I loved everything about, like, preparing for the game, getting in the weight room, sure. getting my nutrition dialed, sure. watching film. I just loved that process. Yeah. And I mean, and winning. It, and winning. And yeah, winning, yeah. yeah. If, it, if that process was plugged into, like, something completely different, I probably still would have enjoyed it. Yeah. If it wasn't football and if it was, I don't know, owning a business in some other way or something, like I would have loved it the same way. Just the whole process and sure. leading up to the games and having that cycle of, okay, we're going to watch film and then we're going to correct the things that we did wrong in the game and then we're going to push that aside and we're going to prep for the next game. Like yeah. I love that whole cycle. And dude, I mean, football is a sport that, it's not like basketball. Yeah. If you want to have a good team in college, you can, you're two big recruits away from changing your whole program. Yeah. You get a nice center, you get a great point guard, you can go to the Elite Eight. Yeah. You know, football, yeah, you can get a great quarterback, but you ain't got no line, you ain't going nowhere. So much has to come together. So much has to come together. And I, I don't think people appreciate, too, um, you know, they hear like, oh, you're a football player. And they probably just think like running back or linebacker, right. like just somebody off the street. But it's like, there's, there's, five different games within the game. Absolutely. You and I did completely different things. Right. <laughs> right. I had to block DeMarcus Lawrence every day, right. you know, and you got to run routes and right. catch balls. So sure. it's, it's totally different. Yeah. And I think too, it's like, you know, like you said, there's so much different jobs and assignments within one play Yeah. to where the receiver has his job the alignment has to the quarterback has to make sure that within three seconds, if this coverage is coming this way, he has to check because it's like all of these things that if they come together perfectly, it can be a first down. Yeah. It's it wild. Be, it could be a touchdown. It's so wild. Have you looked up the history of football? No. You should go go down that route and okay. see like what it used to be, why rules changed the way they changed, sure. How the field got created, all those things. It's nuts. Dude. And that's what I love about the Patriots is that they've been in Super Bowls where like they've prepared in so many different aspects to where it's like, okay, they've shut, they shut us down. Yeah. So play playbooks out of this. We're throwing out the, the game plan. Yeah. Now we're going to go to yeah. you know, when we practice this in week eight on how we, it's like, yeah, we'll adjust. It's like they've turned it into a, 
it's awesome. Yeah. It's incredible to watch. That that's why um this is something I learned from Coach Strasser too. And I think I I try to apply it still to my life. You know, it's hard to implement those things that we learned there, especially if it was the fringe things, mm-hmm. to keep trying to implement them. But if something doesn't go the way you think it's gonna go, you just adjust and move on. Sure. And the the one example he always used was okay, we're prepping for a three man front this whole week. Yeah. We think they're gonna have three guys down three hands down in the dirt. Right. And then sometimes they come out in a four man front and it's like, it's not a big deal. Like we know what to do. Right. We have to adjust in the moment on the fly, on the fly. Yeah. And that's and it, why we loved, we loved Grant Hedrick. Oh yeah. Because Grant, not only was a seasoned vet, great threw a great ball, knew the offense in and out, great yeah. scheme, studied hard, but he also, that festival year, he had so many plays where set hut, they send blitz pocket breaks down. Grant takes off for 45 yards, yeah, yeah, yeah. instinctively a great athlete. And yeah. I think when you have players like that, you need to recruit players not only who are smart, but you need, you need to create or recruit players who have great instinct, yeah. who have great adaptability. That's why I've said in this game, day and age of football in the NFL, if you don't have a quarterback who can't run, you're playing 10 versus 11, in my opinion. Yeah. You need a quarterback like a Russell Wilson or an Aaron Rodgers who, if shit hits the fan, yeah. We can still make something happen. Yeah, Lamar, dude. Yeah, <laughs> dude, that guy is it's crazy. Nuts. It's insane. Or Patrick Mahomes and um, what, what's Grant doing now? He is he a cop? I think he is. That's what I thought. Yeah. Him and Darren Lee are. Darren, oh my god, yeah, dude. This is why I like talking to former players because yeah. it brings up people that like. I completely forgot. And those are two guys. I hope nobody gets in a chase down with them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, seriously. <laughs> Grant will catch you pretty quick. Yeah, dude. Um, that's awesome. I it, love I love this though because the game it, the game of football is an art. I'm gonna watch the history of football. You should of just how all it's these weird because have to come together. Well, I mean, it's kind of the same thing we were talking about with religion, mm-hmm. like soccer, rugby, football, Australian rules football. Yeah, they all used to be the same thing. Soccer yeah. used to be the same thing, and then at a certain point they broke off, and one group's like, "Well, we're gonna like." pass the ball to each other right and this group's like well you can only do laterals and so then that's how rugby got sure yeah it's it's nuts reading about and i think that's why boise state i remember coach adams former receiver coach he's at washington now him saying dude nobody meets he's like i've been all over the country and he was like nobody meets like boise state yeah like there's there's a there's a walkthrough meeting then there's blue then there's a blue meeting there's a there's a lineman meeting and he's like there's all these meetings because everybody's so dialed in yeah and i think that's one reason why Boise State has had success uh, in the football realm is because the program, the culture, but also the teaching. It's like, yeah, we might be a two-star athlete, but when we come in that game, everybody's dialed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you ain't on your shit, you can get your, your butt whooped. Yeah. And I Co- think... It, who Who is it? Coach Adams? What's his first name? Junior Adams. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Junior okay. Adams. Yeah, so... And I think that's what makes Nick Saban's program good is... Yeah, he gets the good athletes, but Nick Saban has had five to six coaches on his staff who were former head coaches. Yeah. So these young kids are coming into the special teams room or the tight ends room or the running back room, but it's a head coach teaching them. Yeah. So it's like whoever's teaching that position group is being taught authentically, right, from a veteran mindset. Yeah. So they go in the game. They're not only great athletes, but they're prepared. Yeah. They're highly prepared. Yeah. That's why you have no shot versus those guys. Yeah. See, that's what I, I don't know. I, I don't know 
what the culture was like after I left Boise State because I wasn't around it. I don't mm-hmm. know. They started to get better recruits, mm-hmm. three and four star guys. But when I was there, you know, we go down to play Georgia mm-hmm. and Kwame Gathers is the D tackle who's going to get drafted in the first round. Like, it was like, what the hell are we doing here? But it was a bunch of two star guys and, um, you Trisha know, guys, training. guys from Texas, guys from Miami, uh, guys from California, and then a bunch of dudes from Idaho that like didn't get a shot anywhere else. <laughs> and yeah, the dude. way that we were trained together, we were a better team. They might have had better athletes, but we're a better team. And wow, it, it was wild. It was so wild. Gosh, that's the, awesome. It's so cool, dude. Like, I always use the example of, um, like me and Nate Potter were playing next to each other. Mm-hmm. And we're like, okay, he went to Timberline. I went to Bishop Kelly. And then our quarterback's this little white dude from Pro- Prosser, <laughs> Washington. Like, and we're in Georgia in the Georgia Dome. And you're playing, playing Demarcus and Cornelius. Yeah, dude. That's what I like looked across. The guy's like 6'6, 350. And I'm like, what the fuck am I doing here? <laughs> uh, but, but on the opposite end of that, like, oh, we'd go God. and play Southern Miss. And Southern Miss had insane athletes and the year that i played them at southern miss Mm -hmm. they had i think every single one of their front seven got drafted wow but they were just a bad team yeah if i went one-on-one with any of those dudes they would whoop my ass but we just had a better team than them isn't that crazy yeah and we were coached better than them better discipline and it's find the right guys in your system but it's also do the teaching and the coaching it's like because a lot of those schools were athletic like florida state yeah. Like Florida State, dude, how in the hell have they slipped up? Yeah. It's like, how are you playing Louisiana Lafayette and it's 39 39 with four minutes to go in the yeah, fourth quarter? Seriously. Florida State? Yeah. You guys are getting five star guys, but something slipped there. Yeah. It's either somebody's not holding somebody accountable. And I think at a lot of those schools, like LSU and stuff, at Coach O, yeah. he's got them back because he's a hard ass. He's in play. He's like, no, no, you're going to get your button meetings. Yeah. But at those schools like Ole Miss, and Florida State, a lot of those coaches, it's show business, yeah. right? So they're great recruiters, but they're they're kind of overseers. So they're kind of like, hey, well, we got Demarcus here, we got you know Jerome, and he's going to be good, and <laughs> you know they can they can basically fall back on the talent they got. Yeah. And sometimes it's cool because you give your players freedom, but if you don't teach them. The reins can be let off, yeah. and you can be like where Florida State is right now. That's why, I, like. I would take I would take a one or two star guy that's coached better sure than a three or four star guy that's not coached well mm-hmm. you know and I think that that's the difference maker and I, I don't know I mean it's been said a million times but Boise State having the chip on his shoulder and like I don't want Boise State to get excellent recruits I want them getting middle of the road guys or like guys that were looked over because that's why we're looking there in college. Hell yeah, hell yeah, dude. One a one star guy from Alaska. Yeah. And he goes to Green Bay for how many years? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, but you know what? How do you even determine stars? Yeah, I know. It's ridiculous. But um, hey, so we're coming up on an hour and a half. Yeah. Um, the way I've been running my podcast, mm-hmm. at the end of the podcast, I've been leaving it up to the guest to get the last word. Okay. So I'm gonna give the floor to you. You can put out some good vibes for the universe. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, I mean, I think, uh, and thanks for having me on. Yeah, of course. I think uh, the main thing I kind of want to leave with is, um, you know, like we talked about earlier about your alignment. And I think 
if you trust your alignment and you really trust your gut and what you're doing and what you want to do and what God's calling you to do. And I feel if you follow that full throttle and surround yourself with the right people, um, I believe you will see magnificent things happen in your life. So I, my whole thing is just being divinely aligned. Don't stress out. Trust the process. But also believe on where you're going. Know your purpose and know that if I'm in my alignment, spectacular things can flow to me without me toiling for it. Yeah. So that would be my uh, little drop the mic. I love it, dude. Right there. I love it. Mm-hmm. David McKenzie, you're a positive dude. Keep it up. Yeah, man. All right. Let's I appreciate you being on. Absolutely. All right. All right.